Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome back, friends. This segment of the show is brought to you by Olive Crest and features Mark Hankin of Hankin Patent Law, who's been on our show before, and we're going to talk about some technical issues regarding patents, trademarks, and the like. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. I'm awake, and it's great, it's great to be here again. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you back on again. Last time we talked about the, the wide world of uh, patents and copyrights and the difference between them and trademarks. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, you can go back onto our website and put um, Mark Hankin into the uh, index and find that interview. But we're going to talk a little bit more about some uh, deeper topics here, Mark, about how to keep your intellectual property out of probate and longer-term thinking with regards to these issues. So, first of all, tell our listeners a little bit about your firm and what you do. Sure. I'm the managing partner of a five-lawyer firm. We have some law clerks and paralegals. We have two offices, one in West L.A., Brentwood, and one in Newport Beach. We represent clients literally around the world. Uh, We represent companies here in California in both uh, writing intellectual property, licensing it, and litigating it. And we litigate throughout the United States on behalf of companies all around the world, in Asia and Europe and South America, etc. What I've been doing for 26 years is working with inventors and people with with, – they're selling products, they're selling services, they've got something that they're selling more of than the other person, and that can all be summarized as intellectual property. And so I enjoy doing that to help them make more money in their businesses. And it's so important to build that structure properly around that idea, correct, Mark? I mean, it's people are haphazard about that sometimes, and they, they're really risking a lot. It, that, that's true. It, it, a little bit of planning will really prevent a big problem down the road. And intellectual property protection is somewhat confusing. It's somewhat difficult to obtain. You really should talk to somebody who's a specialist in doing this. But not doing that costs so much more down the road because you haven't protected your most important asset, which is your technology. And people think, well, I'm I'm small. Nobody's going to steal that. Nobody's, you know, but there's another side of it too. And that is you have to be careful that you're not infringing on somebody else because that can really be even more dangerous down the road, right? Bill, it definitely goes both ways. You have to, first of all, protect your technology, protect your inventions, your innovations. That's number one. Number two is worry about when you're buying product from someone else, whether you're a value-added reseller or a distributor, if you're getting products manufactured for less money, for example, in China or somewhere else. When you sell those products here in the United States, you have to worry about whether someone has rights that could block you and perhaps come after you and sue you successfully for infringing their rights. Uh, That's... uh a big concern because uh, with this day and age if you have the right product well positioned it can get big in a hurry and you you don't want to worry about these problems after you found out you have a hit on your hands right you know i remember the pet rock and i remember the mood ring and there's some fads that came when we were younger and those things i don't know how they spread you know one kid had one you saw it you liked it they'd spread 
uh, I remember the story about hula hoop, you know, never making money. They made so many of them because they got a bulk on making them. They never really recouped their investment from ordering them too early and having too many to sell at too low a price. These days, if you have a new product, you can get on the Internet and blast it out. Things go viral so quickly. Somebody will tweet out to 157 of their, I'm sorry, 157,000 of their closest friends, and all of a sudden, products can go very quickly from zero to a million. It's much more important now to worry about intellectual property rights because in the old days, if something was a slow burn, when someone would find out about you, you maybe haven't sold so many units. Now you can sell many, many units before you realize there's a problem, and then you're stuck with a big bill. So let's talk about this for a second, because again, last time we talked about the difference between trademarks and patents and copyrights. Let's talk about the uh, the service life of these. What are the the uh, durations of, say, somebody trademarks or patents something these days? What kind of things? What can you tell us about the durations of those uh, arrangements? Sure. So just a very quick breakdown for some of the new listeners. A trademark is something that protects the source of origin of the goods or services, a, a brand, a logan, a slogan, a slogan or a logo. And those trademarks don't have to be registered. You can have rights, what are called common law rights. But the better thing to do is to obtain federal registration. You could also obtain state registration. We can talk about that later. But, but federal registration is important because it gives you certain rights and presumptions. And if you file for a trademark and you show that you're the first to use it and you've got some use, you can protect that trademark going forward. You have to renew it. It's not really a renewal, but it's, you have to file some additional paperwork after five years. It's a renewal at 10 years and every 10 years thereafter. So at 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 into the future, that trademark can last forever so long as you continue to renew it, pay the fees, keep it in use, and maintain it. A copyright and a patent are both in the Constitution set forth to say for a limited time. Well, limited time has changed over time. Copyrights have extended and extended. But now a copyright, as you fix something in a medium, so it could be a, a, a book, it could be a picture, it could be architectural blueprints, it could be a sculpture, something that is fixed in a medium, it could be a movie, of course. As it's fixed, you can protect that for either the life of the author plus uh, 70 years, or if it's a corporation that has written it or authored it technically, uh, you can protect it for 75 years. And so that's a limited time, but it's a long limited time. Once that copyright's done, you cannot renew it anymore. Copyrights used to be shorter and renewable. They're now not renewable. Mm -hmm. Patents used to be for a utility patent 17 years from date of issuance. So if you look at the front, front, of, front upper right of a patent, you see the date it issued, you add 17 years, and you would know with most cases, with very few exceptions, when that patent expired. These days, it's 20 years from the date of filing, but there's what they call patent term extensions that get added on. The problem with that is when they first passed this law and enacted it in June 8th of 1995, they thought they were lengthening the term from 17 years longer because prosecutions took less than three years. Now that prosecutions on average take more than three years, they've actually shortened the term. So it's 20 years from date of filing, which turns out most of the time less than 17 years from date of issuance. So that becomes confusing, but again, Constitution says limited time. And once again, patents cannot be renewed or extended. So once a patent expires, it's free for anyone in the public to use it. 
Okay, and that brings up uh, the next point we're going to get to in just a second, right after this break, Mark. But um, that's very valuable information to have. We're going to come back and talk about the uh, the importance of protecting those things for a long period of time because of their income streams. So hang in there for just a second. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. I'm talking with Mark Hankin. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the show for age 50-plus business owners. We're interviewing over 250 professional advisors for their tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new 20-minute interviews and one-minute highlights every day at ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Hey, everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach. Hey, let me ask you a question about your patents, your trademarks, your copyrights, your licensing agreements, and your trade secrets. You know, your intellectual property. What are you doing to protect all of those important assets of your company? If you're not talking to experts, you're really putting your company at risk. So what I want you to do is call Hankin Patent Law. They're experts. They've been doing this for 20 years. They ask the right questions so you can protect what you have in mind. Call Mark Hankin at 310 310- 979-3600 for a free consultation. That's 310-979-3600. Give them a call today and find out what you can do to protect your intellectual property. Welcome back, friends. Just a reminder that we've interviewed dozens of advisors on a wide variety of topics, and you'll find all of their interviews and highlights online at exacoachradio.com or on iTunes at itunes.exacoachradio.com. And I'm talking with Mark Hankin. And Mark, before the break, we talked about the duration of some of these patents and trademarks, and the significance of all of this, of course, is tied to those are income streams. And so it's very important for someone to have the right structure around and the protection around these patents and trademarks so those income streams can continue for the inventors uh, or, or filers and their families and their companies and things like that. So what do people do to create that proper structure? The best thing one can do is to assign your intellectual property rights from you as an individual to something else. And that something else can be a corporate entity, it could be a trust, it could be some other entity that's going to go forward whether you live or die. God forbid something happens to you, if you're trying to protect for your heirs, your children, whatever it is, you want that entity to be able to go on with ownership, keep the intellectual property out of probate, keep the intellectual property owned by an entity that has the right to sell it, license it, make money from it, and get that income stream going down road to where you have directed it, whether that's children, spouse, other family members, or uh, maybe it's a public company and there's lots of shareholders. The assignment has to be in writing. It should be recorded with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office or for a copyright recorded with the Copyright Office. And doing that properly and as early as possible really will protect that income stream better than leaving it to chance and keeping it in your individual name. And, again, the importance of that is oftentimes we see businesses that say, we're going to sell you the bricks and the mortar and the operations, but we're going to retain the patent or of on our our." Uh, licensed, you know, the licenses that we hold, and we're going to lease those back to a, a potential buyer or holder of, of the other rest of the company. And so that creates an income stream coming directly back to the owner. And so if the owner 
dies and and it was an individual then then you have a problem of potentially going into probate which is what we're talking about right that's right and you want to keep it out so so there's there's certain things called intellectual property holding companies that can take a lot of different forms and of course none of this is providing legal advice but but you could have a uh, you could have a trust that's set up Nevada and Massachusetts have certain kinds of business trusts that they'll allow be set up. You could have a C corporation, an S corporation, an LLC, an LLP. There's lots of different ways that you could hold the rights. The worst way to do it is as an individual because then if that individual holds the rights and something happens to the person, they, they the rights then have to be distributed after their death one of multiple ways. Now, they may have a poor overwill that leads to a trust that takes that IP and puts it into the trust after their death. That's okay. That, 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 that's a way to do it. And I'm not an estate planning lawyer. There's many good ones they could consult. But the idea is if you set it up before you're dead and if you set it up before you're retired and, and when you're doing the intellectual property creation, set up what's going to own it and who's going to control it, it's a much smoother path down the road. So you don't have to worry about getting the courts involved, having other issues, and potentially a problem with the trust. Um, Much better to assign it to an entity that can then direct the income stream where you've wanted it to be directed. So it's just part of the early planning, like anything else. It's just thinking, you know, don't think that you're your small invention might not work, think that it's going to get huge and do the things that you need to do while it's still a seed or while it's still small before you uh, find out down the road that it's getting huge. Now, what can people do, Mark, if somebody says, I have an idea and uh, I really want to get this going, I think I want to do a, a trademark or a patent on it, but first I need to make sure it's I'm not stepping on anybody else's toes. Is that where you come in? Well, sure. I mean, Hankin Patent Law runs searches where we'll look to see if there's somebody else out there with a patent. We'll run searches to see if there's someone else using that trademark. We'll do freedom to use opinions or clearance searches, depending on what somebody wants. It's amazing to me, though, when someone has an idea, and as you say, it, it starts off small, it can grow big. They're very concerned about how much money they put in to protect it in the beginning. Down the road, when it's successful, there's a lot of money to be fought over. If they've done things right in the beginning, then the fighting is much easier to resolve down the road. And the money that they spend in protecting it properly can avoid hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in litigation costs down the road if they've done it correctly setting it up. The problem is, oftentimes people don't see the value before they start. So they want to wait till there's something there to fight over. And by then, oftentimes it's too late because now there's other people who want to, want to have an interest in it. Right. So and, it's, it's, yeah. Now, when, when you, someone comes in, I've had situations like this, Mark, where someone comes in, they hire someone to create, say, a, uh, a specific routine on a, compu- you know, a computer-based routine that's going to be now their, their main product that they sell. Let's say it's a survey program that turns into a deliverable or whatever. And, um, and the individual says, well, uh, I developed that, so I should get a piece of that. And the individuals say, well, wait, wait a minute, we hired you to do that. Um, do you see dispute? Dis- I mean, what kind of disputes do you see, I guess I should ask you? I mean, Bill, Bill, that goes on every single day throughout Orange County, California, and frankly, the United States. Uh, unfortunately, people are slow to document what business deal they think they have. And when they, they're slow to document it, 
sometimes problems crop up. Oftentimes people will hire a computer programmer, sometimes outside the United States. They'll hire that person to do exactly what they've told them to do. That programmer then holds the code and keeps it hostage while getting whatever more they wanted to bargain for than you were willing to pay them. If you have an independent contractor who's going to set something up for you, make certain that you have an agreement. In the copyright world, we talk about a work made for hire. And you want to have a written agreement that spells out exactly who's going to have what rights, exactly what rights the creator is going to retain, and exactly what rights the scrivener or the code writer is going to retain. We do complete buyouts of rights for people. Mm. Oftentimes, artists are, are asked to create something, and artists retain the copyright in their work. They may sell the piece, but they retain the copyright. If you want to buy it, you can, but you have to put that in writing. It isn't automatic. And when people forget about these things or fail to consider them, a lot of times they leave a legal nightmare out there for someone to fight over. Yeah, so planning it, having an agreement in place in the beginning, thinking about these issues before you go forward, and any time you're going to pay someone money or or given something in kind to do work for you, where there's something that's being written, created, developed, you should have a written agreement with them that clearly spells out who has what rights at the beginning, who will have what rights at the end, and what are you required to do to get paid during the during the you know the milestones. Doing that properly will avoid a lot of disputes later. That's of course, it'll you know put us out of business because we spend a lot of our day <laughs> helping the people who failed to plan for those, and we end up advising and litigating for them because they're getting pecked at by people who want to take their success away from them. Well, that's exactly the point I wanted you to bring up, though, is that people, you don't think about this after you've got someone who's developed technical expertise for you. You think about this before you even hire that person because things can go awfully wrong between uh, nobody cares about the failure, but everybody wants to be part of the success, I guess. Well, that's right. And, and the problem, Bill, the real problem is people can't always know in advance what's going to be successful and what's going to fail. And so they, they want to hold back spending money on things until they know it's a success. But as I said before, that by then it's often too late. Planning in advance, getting the right employment attorney, getting the right trust and estates attorney, thinking about these different issues, getting a, a, a rights transfer agreement in place with an intellectual property attorney. All these things are cost money, take time, slow you down. But frankly, they save a lot in the back end. So build it into your budget, listeners. Uh, think about it early and call uh, Mark Hankin at, at Hankin Patent Law. Mark, your phone number is uh, 310-979-3600. Is that right? That's the best number. That's the best number. Call him up and, and see what he can do for you. Protect what you have in mind. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you back on again and look forward to the next time. Bill, thanks so much for the great work you're doing to help people really succeed. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. I've been talking with Mark Hankin. We're going to take a short break, so please stay tuned. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50 plus business owners, where we're interviewing over 250 top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. So you can be well planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 